Hi, everyone. My name is Michael Bowman, and welcome to the Christchurch Podcast. I am glad that you are here. Yeah. Yeah, you. I'm glad you are here. <laughs> oh, I hope you're, uh, whatever you're doing is going well. <laughs> hope you're doing well. Glad you're here. Welcome to the Christchurch Podcast again. I want to say thank you so much for tuning in, for joining us here in this space. Um, it really does mean a lot. It, it means a lot to me knowing that you're clicking play. And I hope that this podcast has been, uh, I hope, enjoyable, but even beneficial for you. So thanks for joining us here on the podcast. We have been talking about what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus, talking about uh, being with Jesus, about becoming like Jesus, and about doing what Jesus did here on the podcast. And we even mentioned, really, I think, towards the end of that last episode, um, that we're going to begin talking about what are known as the spiritual disciplines, or if you like, the spiritual practices, or as we've even uh, kind of called them around here at Christ Church, the holy habits. Or we might be referring to them in all of those ways. Uh, John Wesley referred to this, or these disciplines, these practices, these habits as the means of grace. And um, as I said, we, we mentioned that we're going to begin talking about specific disciplines, specific practices here on the podcast. And that's what we're going to do today. Um, these are all things that, by the way, just as a refresher, that we see Jesus doing in his own life, which is why they're important for us as followers. That whole uh, rabbi and Talmud idea of following our rabbi, doing what our rabbi does. If he turns left, we turn left. If he bends down, we bend down. If he you know, if he wants us to do this thing, we do that thing. If he puts a blade of grass in his mouth, then we do that too. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is kind of that idea where we see Jesus doing things like praying. We see Jesus fasting. We see Jesus spending time in solitude or um, with scripture or in worship or eating and drinking together with other folks that is practicing fellowship and communion with others. Um, these are all things we see Jesus doing things like silence. These are all practices that we see Jesus implementing and developing and cultivating in his own life. And as our rabbi, um, as his Talmudim, as his followers or students or disciples or apprentices, uh, we're going to do those things too. That is how we follow Jesus. So we're going to start talking about a specific discipline today, and I don't know how many weeks it'll take to really talk about it. So we're going to begin with the discipline of silence. That's what I want to start with today, silence. We moved to Birmingham about three years ago. Actually, wow, no, about four years ago now, uh, when Sarah was super pregnant with our son. Wow, that, that time has flown by. Um, 
but we moved really in the, in the middle of a hot Birmingham summer, and you know exactly what that feels like. It's like a hundred something degrees outside. The humidity is crazy. Um, now factor in, factor in here. We're we're moving boxes, heavy boxes, into our new home. Okay, it's that kind of day outside, very hot. We're moving heavy labor, and Sarah is really pregnant. A word for moving in those kind of conditions is awful. <laughs> you know, like it was it wasn't fun. I'll say that. That wasn't the word I wanted to use to describe that day. It was exciting. It just wasn't all that fun. <laughs> um, but but my brother Taylor, who's uh, about five years younger than me, living in Chattanooga, drove down to help us kind of get everything organized. What was nice is we had all the boxes in the house. Taylor drove down to meet us at our new place. And we spent the night really uh, unpacking boxes and getting everything situated in our home. Taylor was a huge help, but here's the hitch. Taylor had to get up the next morning incredibly early because he got it, he had to get back to Chattanooga to work. He had a shift the next day. So... Um, when I say early, Taylor and I got up around 4.30. I'm pretty sure it was around 4.30 the next morning. I don't know if you've ever been up at 4.30 in the morning before on purpose. Uh, but it was dark, like really dark. The sun hadn't even thought about rising yet. Birds were not chirping. Nothing was making a sound, okay? It was totally silent, totally quiet, pitch black, dark. And Taylor and I, um, I, you know, I got up with Taylor had to be up, but I I got up with him to kind of be a good brother, I guess, or a good host. I don't know what you would call it. Um, but I wanted to make him some coffee, some toast and, and really just thank him for helping and send him on his way. You know, I just wanted to be hospitable in that way, I guess, and say, thank you. So he and I are up and we're the only ones up because I don't know if you remember, I just said this a few minutes ago, but Sarah was super pregnant. And in order to not wake her up this early in the morning, uh, we had to be totally silent ourselves. We didn't even talk to each other, like didn't talk at all the whole time um, we were getting ready and he was getting ready to leave. So Taylor starts to get dressed and just picture this pitch black, dark house totally quiet. I know you can kind of, you get the feel. Like every step makes a creak, creaking sound that feels louder than it actually is. You know what I mean? If you pick up your keys, you're like, oh my gosh, is there like a microphone attached to me somewhere? Like every sound is amplified, right? So Taylor starts getting dressed. He's getting his stuff together. I'm making some coffee and something to eat for the road. And let's be honest, it's probably like a piece of toast or something. But 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 here's what I want you to to think about. We are literally in the same room, feet apart, sharing the same space, and we're completely silent. And you know, as I think back on that morning, something about it felt normal. Something about it felt, I guess the word would be good, natural. Do you know what I mean? Like we can be with people that we're close to. We can, when it comes to people we love or people we're close to, we can enjoy one another's company, one another's presence without ever having to say a word. 
Maybe you have someone like that in your own life. You know, maybe for you, it's a parent, or maybe for you, it's a good friend or a spouse, or maybe for you, it's a, a child where you can, you can share the same space, share the same room, be in each other's presence and simply just enjoy that. Enjoy being in one another's presence. That is enough. You don't have to say anything or break the silence. Sitting in each other's presence in the silence is good and natural and, and, and worth it. You know, you know what I'm saying? And that's kind of what was going on, I think, when I was with Taylor, sharing that space really early in the morning in the dark, alone with him in the total silence, enjoying each other's presence. So I walk Taylor out to his car. I give him a hug. I say thanks. And, of course, I tell him I love him. And then, and then Taylor leaves. And that was that. That's, that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> and if you could do me a favor here, I want you to hold on to that story, okay? Because we're going to come back to it in a little bit. I know you're like, all right, what in the world does that have to do with silence? But we'll come back to it, okay? Is that cool? All right, thanks. Um, I, I will I will go ahead and tell you, Taylor did get back to Chattanooga and, and work on time if you're curious. All right, so, so just so you're aware, for some time going forward on this podcast, we're going to be talking about this practice of silence. And I say for some time because it could, it's not going to end this week. It might end next week, but, but we'll see. Um, and I want to really dig into its importance, the, the importance of practicing silence in our life, of developing this discipline of silence, cultivating it, letting it, letting it develop and grow within us and see kind of what comes out of us, uh, what comes out of this. So um, I want to dig into its importance in our lives as those who are apprenticing under Jesus and his way. And in order to do that, I want to begin with what happens after Jesus's baptism in Matthew chapter four. So if you have a Bible and you're in a space where you can open it, go to Matthew chapter four right now. We're going to be looking at verses one through 11. Now, if you're not in a place where you can open up a Bible, don't do it. For example, if you are operating a vehicle right now on the interstate or driving through town, do not pull out a Bible and look at it right now. You can just listen. I will read it. I promise. Or if you're on a run, don't feel like you need to stop. I'm going to read these words. Okay. So but if, you, if it's helpful for you, if you're visual, you want your Bible out, go for it. Now, if you've listened to these past episodes, then you're, you're going to be familiar with kind of what's going on in this part of Matthew's gospel. We mentioned a little bit of Matthew 4, uh, a little bit later in Matthew 4 um, on a previous episode, but we're going to go a little bit deeper here. So are you ready? Again, it doesn't really matter if you're ready because we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> All right. Anyway, anyway, here we go. Here we go. Here are the words that Matthew writes. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. He was very hungry. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, 
all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. If you don't mind, let me help us really quickly grasp a little bit more of what is taking place here. Jesus, as we find out in the previous chapter, that is Matthew chapter 3, has just been baptized by his cousin John, who is known as the baptizer. And as Jesus is coming out of the water, the skies open up, God speaks, and we come to find out that Jesus is God's beloved son in whom he is well pleased. And of course, God says this as the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. Now, as we read a moment ago, filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus is led, and I hope you're paying attention to this, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, into the desert, to be tempted by the devil. (laughs) This is why the Holy Spirit takes Jesus out into the wilderness. What? (laughs) Really? That's the first thing you're going to do with Jesus? (laughs) You know, the Spirit fills Jesus up. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit takes him into the wilderness to be alone by himself, to fast, quiet, away from everyone else, and in order to be tempted by the devil, to battle it out with the devil himself. Really? I'm really just driving on this point just to make sure we caught it. The the Spirit is taking Jesus into the wilderness to battle it out with the devil. Jesus is alone. You know, you know what that means, right? There's no one around him. Even more, Jesus is silent. There's no noise around him. He's quiet and alone. And before Jesus does anything else, that is before Jesus's miracles, his incredible teachings, all of the healings and the exorcisms, the Spirit leads Jesus to a place where he can be quiet and alone. Why? Great question. Why? To answer that, let me talk for a second about noise as we know it. And really, to talk about noise, I need you to think about all the things in your life that demand your attention, that demand your time, that demand your body, that demand your money, that demand your life, that demand you. See, we, and I say we because all of us are living with a great deal of noise in our life. And this noise comes at us from all directions, every direction, in fact, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in millions, maybe even billions of different ways. Now, this noise is most obvious when it comes at us in audible ways. That is through um, noise that we can hear, like advertisements and commercials on our televisions, through your news channel of choice, through songs that you're listening to, through chants and cheering, through teachers, through politicians, through that podcast or that audiobook, through Snapchat, Instagram, or TikTok, God help us, through friends or family or other people that we bump into throughout our day. This is all audible noise that we are encountering. You know, this isn't all of it, but this is a lot of the noise that we're encountering on a daily basis. But noise, I need you to know, is not only audible. Noise, in fact, can be visual too. Again, through advertisements on our social media feeds. And, you know, you probably know 
this already. You've probably experienced this yourself if you are on social media at all, especially if you're on Instagram. These people who are in charge of advertising, <laughs> they, I mean, they know exactly what we want, don't they? Have you ever... Um, all right, let me give you an example here. Have you ever been talking with your friend, a friend of yours or, or somebody close to you and said, with your phone present, right? And I mean, just like your phone might just be sitting there. And you, you, you commented to your friend, you know, I would really love some double stuffed Oreos. <laughs> right? That's a normal conversation that you and I would have, right? I really want some double stuffed Oreos. And then at some point, you open up your Instagram account, click on that app, you start scrolling, when all of a sudden you see that your feed is full of advertisements for Oreos. This is terrifying stuff, right? But it happens, right? I know I'm not the only one to experience this. This happens all the time. And it's, well, it freaks me out. I'll just say that. I just commented to a friend of mine that I want some Oreos and now I'm looking at my social media page and I just get ads for Oreos. How do they know? Are they listening? Right? Um, this is an example of visual noise and it comes at us even simply through our social media posts. Maybe, maybe it's your friend posted that picture of their child or their, or someone got married and, and you're just, if you're scrolling through any type of social media account whatsoever, all of that is visual noise that you're looking at. That makes sense. Visual noise also comes at us through the constant alerts and notifications that we receive on our tablets or on our phones or even our Apple watches these days through text messages or another email or another notification coming across your screen. This is all visual noise. And here's the thing. I really think that if it wasn't, this is for Apple users, sorry for Android users. I don't know what it's called on Android, but I'm sure you have this thing too. I really think if it wasn't for our, and I'm quoting here, weekly time reports that we get on our iPhones on Sundays that we would not even know or have ever even noticed just how many hours we spend looking at this tiny little screen. We may never have realized the amount of time that we give to the things, these types of things that are literally designed to keep our attention, that are literally designed to to keep our attention so that we would buy their products or live out their trend or post on their sites or their platforms or be tracked by their app or to listen to their stuff or to be shaped more and more into the consumer. Notice that I did not say person, but shaped more and more into the type of consumer that they want us to be. Whoever they is, right? <laughs> they, them, all that, all those, those people out there, right? And at this very moment in time, due to the ridiculous amount of things vying for our attention, we are being stripped of our humanness, and we're not even noticing it. A man from whom I've learned a great deal, the Dutch Catholic priest Henry Nouwen, once wrote, Our society is full of words, and for our purposes, I want you to hear noise. Words that are whispered, shouted, and sung. Words that move, dance, and change in size and color. Words that say, taste me, smell me, eat me, drink me, sleep with me. Can I throw in a few here? Friend me, follow me, like me, but most of all, buy me. 
if you really thought about it, oh man, if you really thought about it, the amount of words coming at us, the amount of noise that we experience on a given day is draining us of life. It's draining our energy, right? Because here's the thing, noise, whether you know it or not, noise requires something of us. Noise demands our attention. Noise demands that we listen to it. The noise demands all of ourselves, all of who we are, and it's draining us of our energy without us even knowing it. No wonder we are so tired. Right? Like, have you ever just thought like every morning you wake up, man, why am I so tired? I got, I got some sleep, but like, I'm still exhausted. I can, I can remember thinking this in high school all the time. I would wake up, even if I got eight to 10 hours of sleep, I'd wake up the next day, just totally exhausted. No wonder, no wonder we feel so busy, but we don't feel like we can stop. No wonder we feel like we're always going, 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 but there's no end in sight and we're never going to catch up. No wonder we feel like we never have time for simply hanging out with friends or family or spending time with people we care about. No wonder we feel like we never have time to read our Bibles or, or, or time to go to a church on Sunday or to a youth group or whatever you're a part of or to small group or meet with our small group at all or to simply pray because we live in this noisy world that demands all of who we are all of the time. Another wonderful writer named Ruth Haley Barton. If you've never read any Ruth Haley Barton, I would encourage you to do so. She once wrote, "We are," and I want you to pay attention to this, this language that she's using. It's a kind of long quote, but, but hang with me. Barton writes, We are starved for mystery, to know God as one who is totally other. We are starved for intimacy, to see and feel and know God in the very cells of our being. We are starved for rest, to know God beyond what we can do for him. And hear this, we are starved for quiet, to hear the sound of sheer silence that is the very presence of God himself. It seems to me that this is true for all of us. Again, all you have to do is think of your daily routine. And as you do that, I think you will begin to realize just how many words you are coming across, just how many voices are trying to get into your head, just how much noise is all around you through your teachers, your coworkers, your friends, your church, your boss, your family, your iPhone, your social media, your Slack app at work, your Apple Watch, your coaches, your bosses, your text messages, your televisions, your Netflix or whatever streaming service you have. When are you ever afforded a moment of silence? Think about it, really. When are you ever afforded a moment of silence? Are you ever afforded a moment of silence? I think, and again, I think, I'm not saying I know. This is just an opinion of mine, maybe an observation. Take it for what it's worth. I think we are exhausted. I think that we are being run thin, dangerously thin. I think that we are hungry for silence for a moment to ourselves, 
And we either do not realize it or we are scared of it. Back in the day, like fourth and fifth centuries, kind of back in the day, there were some people known as the Desert Mothers and Desert Fathers. You may have heard of them. These women and men would leave behind the world and literally go out into the desert, spending absurd, or to us maybe, absurd amounts of time by themselves in the wilderness. And what they were after is they were seeking silence and solitude, and ultimately they were, they were seeking God. Now, this is an oversimplification, okay? Go back and read some, some history about the early church fathers, or rather the desert mothers and fathers, and, and you'll kind of get a more in-depth story but that I'm not going to get into all of it today. But ultimately, they were seeking God in the silence and solitude of the desert and the wilderness. And do you know what part of Scripture they use? to lead them in this practice? Can you guess? Now, you might have said, or the first thought you might have thought would be like most people, Psalm 46. Of course, Psalm 46, right? Be still and know that I am God. Sounds like a good banner for these folks. And if that was you, then you would be wrong. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know. I know. That was a bad joke. It's a good thought. That's not where we're going. Okay. The desert mothers and the desert fathers had a more intense passage of scripture in mind. It was Matthew chapter four, what we just read from a moment ago. The desert fathers and mothers were seeking to reconnect with God in the silence, surely, but they knew that they would also encounter evil. See, silence is always the place of encounter. Why do I say that? Well, try practicing silence for any length of time and you will realize that it is a battle. Silence is always the place of encounter. It is a battle and it's absolutely necessary. See, Jesus knew this. After his time in the wilderness, quiet and alone, fasting, battling it out with the devil, we see that Jesus comes out knowing exactly what he is to do. It's as if his purpose was made clear to him during this time of silence and solitude. When we, when we read the rest of chapter 4, we see this to be true. If you would, if you still have your Bible open or in front of you, or if you just want to hear this, skip down to Matthew chapter 17, or rather, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And um, I'm going to read through verse 25. So hear these words. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent for the kingdom of the heavens is here. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains and demoniacs, epileptics and paralytics, and Jesus cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee to the Decapolis to Jerusalem to Judea and from all or from beyond the Jordan. 
It was only after Jesus' time in the wilderness that we see through the leading and the power of the Spirit, Jesus begins revealing the kingdom of God. It's only after his time in the wilderness do we see Jesus filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit. It's only after this time in the wilderness do we see him revealing the kingdom of God through his teaching and through healing people of their diseases and pains, no matter who they were or what was troubling them. And so, can I extend to you an invitation? Is that okay? You can say no, but you're listening to the podcast that I'm hosting, so I'm still going to extend you the invitation anyway. I want to invite you to carve out some moments of silence in your day. Every day. I want to invite you to spend even just three minutes of your morning or your night or whatever time of day works best for you and simply be silent. Here's the thing. In the silence, we come to find that we are able to truly listen. That it's only when we get silent that we can truly listen. That makes sense, right? In order to listen, you must be quiet. (laughs) It's in the silence that we find that we might be able to actually hear God. We can hear the voice of Jesus gently inviting us to come to him saying, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Well, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus is saying, I I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep, Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, it's in the silence we come to realize that God is present with us. That God has always been present with us and God has never left us, even when we felt like he might have. That, that God has, has been wanting to reveal himself to us by his presence, but maybe we were never silent enough or, or slowed down enough to even notice. See, in the silence we realize who we truly are. Hearing the same words said of Jesus being said of you and me, this is my beloved daughter. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In the silence, we discover our true purpose to be those who are following so closely after Jesus that we cannot help but become more like him and do what he did, making the kingdom of God more visible here on earth as it is in heaven. So let me close. Let me close with this. About two years ago now, I woke up one morning at 4.30 a.m. I don't know what it is about that time. (laughs) But I woke up around 4.30 and again, pitch black, dark, totally silent, didn't really want to be awake, but here I was. And as I rolled around in bed a little bit, I noticed Sarah was up too. And I remember sensing that I was supposed to get out of bed and spend some time with Jesus in that moment. It kind of felt like the spirit was trying to get me up. You know what I mean? 
So since Sarah was up, I told her what was going on, what I was sensing, what I was feeling within me. And um, I told her I felt like I was supposed to get up, that the spirit was trying to get me up. And she said, great, just don't wake me up. And she rolled over <laughs> and went back to sleep. So I got up and I went into our living room. And again, pitch black dark, no one's up. Like mice aren't even up at this time of night, you know? Bugs aren't awake yet. The sun's not even thinking about it. Totally dark, completely quiet. I'm alone, sitting on the couch in my living room, and I start praying. Start praying, and mainly I'm asking, Jesus, what's up? Why'd you wake me up? Why'd you want me out of bed? What do you want from me? <laughs> and I, I'm going to be really transparent here. I was expecting something crazy to happen. Like maybe, maybe the door is about to just, you know, just be thrown open and the spirit was just going to whoosh into the room. This is going to be like a second Pentecost, like a pillar of fire, tongues of fire are going to, you know, descend upon me and rest upon me. And I'm going to start speaking in tongues and like sharing the, I don't know. I, I mean, genuinely, maybe, maybe a, like I thought God's was going to like have like a hand reach through my house and like pick me. I don't know. Something, I thought something crazy, miraculous was about to happen. And as I'm praying, nothing happened. So then I started praying for other people. I started praying for Sarah. I started praying for our son. I started praying for friends of ours, family, thinking maybe this is what God wanted. Maybe this is, maybe this is why Jesus wanted me to get up and spend some time with him, like sit out here and I could just talk to him about what was going on and pray for other people. Maybe this could be an ex extended time of intercessory prayer, right? And then I stopped because I just felt like I was forcing it. Nothing was happening. So then I started reading my Bible and I picked up where I was the day before. Maybe, maybe this is a time where I can just spend an hour or, or so. I mean, it's four 30 in the morning. Who knows how much time I have to just sit here and read the word of God and spend so much time just soaking in scripture. But I closed it there pretty quickly because I felt like even that was just forcing it and wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. So I ended up just laying down on the couch. I was exhausted. I wanted to go back to sleep and nothing was working, right? Like nothing was happening. So I tell God, like, as I'm laying there on my back, looking up at my ceiling, I tell God that uh, I'm going to try to go back to sleep now. Um, I'm pretty tired. I don't know why you got me up, but whatever you want to do, just, just let me know when, when you want to do it. Okay. So I'm just going to lay here and nothing happened. <laughs> so I think I laid there for close to two hours. Grady had slept pretty well that night, I guess. And, uh, then when, when he wakes up, I go in there and get my little boy and come out and we start our day. And I'm serious. Like when I say I laid there for two hours, I did, I laid there and just kind of looked at the wall. Nothing happened. And then Grady and I started our day. Eventually, Sarah gets up. We're drinking coffee and, you know, go about our day, whatever. So let me fast forward to that evening for you. That evening, I'm doing the dishes. It's like 8 o'clock, and I'm ready to go to sleep, so I'm getting things done for the day. Don't judge me for going to bed at 8. You should try it. It's awesome. <laughs> So I'm doing the dishes and I'm still like frustrated. I mean, the whole day I've been praying, God, why did you wake me up? I really felt like I was sensing your presence, your spirit, like getting me up and getting me out of bed. And I sensed that this is what you wanted from me. And I got up and nothing's happening. So why did you wake me up? And the whole day, just nothing, nothing happened. No, no answer, no response, no nothing. And so now I'm doing the dishes. It's eight o'clock at night. And for some reason, I started thinking about that time my brother helped us move in. Remember how I asked you to hold on to that story for me? I hope you did. 
I started remembering just how comfortable I felt when I was simply in my brother's presence. It didn't matter that it was 4.30 in the morning, that we were both alone, that it was totally quiet and we couldn't say anything to each other. I remember just how comfortable I felt being in my brother's presence, how neither one of us had to say or do anything, yet we understood each other, we, we were enjoying each other's presence, and we loved one another. And then I felt, and then I felt that God said to me in that moment, not, not an audible thing, like I didn't hear God say this, but I just simply you know, felt it within me. You know what I mean. I felt like God was saying to me, you know, Michael, that is all I want from you. I didn't need you to say anything. I didn't need you to do anything. I want you. I simply want to sit with you. I want to sit in your presence and have us enjoy one another. That's it. See, it's in the silence. It's in these times that we carve out to be quiet and alone with God that we are able to hear God's still, small voice whispering to us, revealing who he is and revealing who we are, sharing his presence and his love for us, healing us, restoring us, forgiving us, giving us exactly what it is that we might need. Yeah. Yeah. That's the silence. That's that's a good intro to <laughs> to the uh practice of silence. In the silence you find that you are not actually alone, that you might be alone with God after all. That you might encounter God's presence that you might encounter God's love for you, that you might encounter who you really are. Beloved daughter, beloved son. Next week, we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about silence because as we've been closing out this episode together, uh, there's some things that it's leading us into. Another passage of scripture, in fact, that we will spend some time in. So I hope you join us. I'm glad you're here with us today. I hope you join us again on the next episode. So may you, may you, beloved daughter, may you, beloved son of God, carve out moments of silence within your day, recognizing that the silence truly is a place of encounter. Yes, you may encounter evil. Yes, you may encounter the reality of who you are. Yes, you might realize just how noisy your life is, but you are encountering all of this and the presence of love itself. So carve out some time of silence this week and find out not only who you are, but whose you are and just how very loved you are. Grace and peace.